in the rush to save the planet from uh, climate change, have we unnecessarily caused other deaths? Unwanted consequences? Let's talk about that today. What you believe about God dictates how you will think. Our philosophies dictate how our culture behaves. Politics is simply the enforcement of cultural norms. The truth claims about God, philosophy, culture, and policies will affect what we value. When these things are in alignment, revival is possible. Well, hello there, and welcome to Further Every Day, the podcast where we explore current events through the lens of the Christian worldview. I'm Jonathan Fiala, your host, and uh, today in the cheer of theology to my left round table, we got Chauncey. How are you, sir? Very blessed. How about you? Doing well. Glad to have you on. Dealing with the reasons why we believe what we believe. And to his left, we got Jennifer. How you doing? Good. Glad to have you on in the chair of philosophy. Yes. Dealing with the rigor that the Christian must bring. And to her left, we got Mr. Steve in the chair of culture. Yes, sir. I'm going to be walking down that street, man. Glad to have you there. Doing well? Doing well today. Doing very Excellent. well. And then to his left in the chair of politics, we got the Josh. How you doing? Back like I never left. <laughs> well, it's glad to, I'm glad to have you back on. How you doing? <laughs> Who let him in? <laughs> All right. And then, of course, yours truly sitting in the chair of economics. There is a, a God-ordained government institution. That's the chair of politics. And, of course, sitting in the chair of economics. Uh, what you believe about the other chairs will form or inform your values. Now, if you read the uh, title of the podcast today, we're going to talk about climate alarmism. So, first off. What is climate change? It's kind of a varying goalpost, but I want to get Jennifer to read from Wikipedia. We've got a, a definition, and I think Wikipedia is great for cultural issues for getting us definitions. Mm -hmm. uh, go ahead and read us a definition of climate change, please. Sure. So from Wikipedia, it says climate change threatens people with food and water scarcities, increased flooding, extreme heat, more disease, and economic loss. Human migration and conflict can be a result. The World Health Organization calls climate change the greatest threat to global health in the 21st century. Sounds pretty dire, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, something that we should like look into maybe. You would think, you know, if people are going to die, we should, we should stop that, right? And, and I've heard, I've had so many people, one gentleman, he was in his 80s and uh, God bless him. He says, you know, I'm a conservative. I believe abortion's evil and wrong, but the only reason I vote maybe sometimes Democrat is because of people like you. I said, what do you mean? He says, because climate change. I do not want to pass on to you a world that is destroyed. We've taken away too much from you and the economic and, and the culture is degraded. At least we can give you a planet that is worth living in. And then we started to get into the facts. And let's, we're going to talk about those facts today. But in one hour, not because I'm a great person or because I'm a brilliant orator or anything like that. One hour of the facts. And this man says, oh, my gosh, they've been lying to me all these years. Everything that I have heard and seen is a lie. Let's try to walk down that road for cultural apologetics today. Uh, but some of the claims I think are interesting. And uh, Jennifer, you've got a long list of these. Yes. But uh, just throw out some of, the, some of the claims. I mean, we all know Greta Thunberg, you know, how dare you? How dare you? Uh, AOC said the world's going to end in 12 years if we don't do anything. I mean, 
people are, are just throw out, you know, this. Uh, when did Al Gore say that the world was going to end like 10 years ago for the same thing, climate change? Yeah. It, you can readily think of several examples of people making outlandish claims. And we'll go over more of them. But lately, the rhetoric has been 2030 if we don't change things. Mm -hmm. If you don't change people's lives and you take away their rights, liberties, and by the way, those who are in the way of this are enemies of the state, mm -hmm. domestic terrorists. Yeah, that disinformation governance board's going to come for you. Exactly. So let, let's 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 break it down a little bit. So in the in the show map here, um, those of you who are who are in it, Mr. Steve, if you can get yes, how many people who are not as fortunate as us are currently cooking with biomass. Uh, OK, roughly two point six billion people are still forced to cook with solid fuels, biomass with like dung and other waste, these results in an estimated 3.8 million deaths per year, about the same as what the World Health Organization attributes to outdoor air pollution. So the WHO says about 4 million, about 4 right. million die from outdoor air pollution. And it's debatable, but sure, I got it. Uh, talking about lung cancer and and all those other variables but asthma asthma exactly right. uh pneumonia but indoor air pollution for those of you who don't know does someone want to venture to guess what's causing it we just talked about it what's causing that indoor air pollution what's the ultimate source Smoke. people heating their homes with with filth right and, and and so it's really easy in north america and specifically in the States and in Canada and the UK, Australia, if you want to go elsewhere to say green energy, green energy. And, but there are some folks who aren't so fortunate and they are literally burning their food over poop fires, you well, know, like not, not, not to degrade it to that point. You know, that's like smoking cigarettes for 50 years. Precisely. It's a similar you know, effect. Same thing. So, and and the 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 real issue that I have with this, I'm going to go back up a little bit in the notes here, is that the climate deaths have been on the steady decay since the 1920s. And I, Jennifer, I believe you have that stat. Yeah. So this is from uh, humanprogress.org, and um, they have discovered fantastic news that the amount of human death that is directly related to climate change is. 13,260% decreased since 1920. Uh, that's an outstanding number. 99% of people, uh, uh, 99% decrease in deaths from 1920 to 2020. Based on climate-related deaths. These are yes. deaths of floods, floods, natural disasters, indoor pollution, a, a whole gambit of things precisely and so that that right there is a really important point and and if you look at some of the other studies and links all in the description below and also will be on uh provoke to reason.com but we've seen an increase in human flourishing around that 1920s time frame that 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 is a inverted switch of the loop where you see life expectancy go up between 40 and 60 to in the 80s or hundreds 
And this is because it's directly tied to carbon emissions. Industrial revolution, advances in technology. That's not saying that uh, carbon dioxide is saving people's lives without admitting it. It's talking about the industrial revolution. Specifically, it's talking about medical advances and the things that, that, that are changing. And it's, it's really interesting uh, to go a little bit further. I, I, it, Chauncey, if you're on the show map, if you can get us uh, the, the blurb about Dr. Indoor uh, uh, Goklani, I'm so butchering that name, but where, <laughs> where we discuss the issues with biofuel. Do you have that? Uh, yes. So basically, um, he did a paper in 2010 subject to 100,000 192,000 excess deaths to the growth of biofuel. He compared these deaths to the 141,000 estimated excess deaths that are year attributed to global warming by the World Health Organization. These people need energy, food, work and logistics more than they need virtual signals. So, I mean, that, 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 that's kind of important, right? Because with, with biofuels, if you don't know what biofuels are, when we start to take corn, one of the best sources of fat, one of the best life-sustaining, uh, quick, easy crops, and we're turning it into ethanol, which, by the way, is very much not useful for putting into your car. That, that, that E85 crap or whatever, it, it does not, your mileage goes down, it's very close to the same, but it's government subsidized. So instead of feeding these people, we're, we're, we're burning a crop when we have an enormous amount of people dying. And, and, and I just want to build the case here before we get into the apologetic aspect, because I want to build this case. I want to make sure that we have a firm foundation so everyone's on the same page, because no one wants pollution. Anyone in this room, do you, Chauncey, do, do you want pollution? Oh, uh, no, of course not. <laughs> I mean, we're conservatives. We believe in conserving, right? Yes, you know, all, all around the room. I, think I, can, get a, I can get an amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. amen. So no, no, one, no one wants pollution. The question is, is how many p- lives do we have to sacrifice to stop this global catastrophe that's coming with an ice age or, or is it the heat death? No one quite knows because it changes from decade to decade. By the way, it close- changes year to year, not even decades. But, but, but the, yeah, absolutely year to year it changes, but we're watching a general trend line that if you follow it back for over the past 400 years, I'm getting out of myself here, but you'll follow, you follow that back and you see 1650s, you see a record ice age that was recorded in, uh, uh, England and in the 1850s, you saw the Thames froze over and then, and you also saw solar activity that, uh, ended up knocking out the telegraph. First time we were aware of that that whole infrastructure mm-hmm. the time, you know, and it was an EMP. It nuked our electronics. Guess what guys? We should be EMP hardening our systems, not just from the, the Chinese or the North <laughs> Koreans, but also from the sun. Okay? Exactly. And, but, but let's, let, let's, let's go a little bit further here. If you have something like the Kyoto protocol that is in place. And, and for those of you who don't know what the Kyoto protocol is, It's a 1992 uh, implementation by the UN that all these nations are going to have to reduce their emissions by X amount. 
but can anyone in this room tell me which two nations got a full exempt pass and also happen to be the top contributors to CO emissions, CO2 emissions? Uh-huh. China and India. Correct. <laughs> Easy guess. I, Along with many perfect. other countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. do I blame them? No. Right. Did the U.S. be a part of that? Because, Jennifer, what happened during the last administration after we pulled out of the uh, climate, uh, climate accords from Paris, what decreased? Uh, the United States carbon emissions decreased. As soon as we pulled out of the uh, uh, contract, so to speak, that was supposed to lead to uh, decreasing carbon emissions, which we had not been doing while we were part of the pact, as soon as we pulled out of it, our carbon emissions decreased. Guess why? Evil, evil fracking. The most horrible, evil thing to exist in the whole wide world. So just... It's craziness. Just chew on that for a moment. But I, I, I want, I want to, to give Josh a moment here. So l- l- let's just go a step further. Start, I want you to read. There's 50 reasons why. Not, not to be confused with that terrible Netflix show. But 50 reasons why from AIE.org. Th- th- this list is spread all over the place. But give us the first 10 predictions uh, that uh, they made about upcoming climate disaster. Uh, just to say some, are, are these Nostradamus predictions? These are Nostradamus <laughs> predictions. <laughs> oh, man. We, we got to burn people at the stake because they didn't get it right. But no um, Josh, go ahead and give me predictions one through 10 real quick. Starting in 1967 up to 1976, we can see how many times they got it wrong. Let us test the prophecy. <laughs> Let us see. 1967, dire famine forecast by 1975. Eh. 1969, everyone will disappear in a cloud of blue steam by 1989. <sighs> was oh, it, wait, was, wait. It's 2022. Was One Piece running at the time? Because that it, just, it feels like an anime. <laughs> 1970, Ice Age by 2000. Mm? They were right. The movie did come out, I believe, in the close to the year 2000. <laughs> well, they've had Ice Age 2, right? Yeah, they've had the Ice Age 2, so not, not wrong there. 1970, American subject, America subject to water rationing by 1974 and food rationing by 1980. No, they were a little early. And, you know, in California. Like, okay, we got to give it to no, 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 that. Food rationing California. in 2020 oh. because of Joe Biden. Yeah. Oh, 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 wait. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. They came back and said, there's a sequel. 1971. New Ice Age coming by 2020 or 2030. Mm. So you might have to wait for the, the sequel to come out uh, 2030, potentially. That's, that's <laughs> and then what do they do? Greta Thunberg. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she is the best friend of the squirrel, indeed. You know, he she finally got his acorn it, in Ice it, Age. He finally got his acorn. She is the squirrel. Anyway. <laughs> no, stop. <laughs> 1974, space satellite show, new Ice Age coming fast. Oh, they weren't fast enough, I guess. Uh, 1974, another Ice Age? Oh, man. 1974, ozone depletion, a great peril to life? Do you guys remember when we got rid of fluorocarbons because like like R11 mm-hmm. and R12 because they were so bad? And of course, that jacked up the prices and made it hard for people to get cheap and expensive uh, 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 
coolant for the oh, air conditioning systems. It mm-hmm. is unreal the price of that stuff nowadays. Because it be, be, because they outlawed it, and what you've ultimately come down to is is this nonsense is dictated. It's ruined industries and lives. It has a real effect. It, it's funny until you realize that entire livelihoods have been wiped away in the name of this garbage. But keep going, Josh. And then finally, number 10, 1976, scientific consensus, planet cooling, famines imminent. Okay. <laughs> so each one of those is a report, and, and, and we'll link to the uh, um, AIEC uh, website that has all these on there. You'll be able to find them. You'll be able to find 50 of them. Yeah. Can I just say that all of those claims were for a global ice age and a bunch of famines, but today the prediction is a temperature increase of four degrees and uh, uh, the United Nations Food and Agricultural Organization predicts that crop yields will increase by 30% by the year 2050. So... Oops. Oops. So, okay. I'll... All, all of this to, to go on for, you know, and again, decaying pollution will kill all the fish. Peak oil in 1940, 19 or 2000, 2010, 2020. Mm-hmm. We'll be running out of oil. They've been saying this for a hundred years. And, yeah. and just because they got it wrong each time doesn't mean that they're wrong now. Sure. But, but, but it just means, wait, wait, do we want to fact check this? Yeah. We because should have you- some caution when we're listening to these claims, especially when the policies that they're presenting to try to fix their supposed disasters are in and of themselves disastrous. And deadly. Yes. Not only to livelihoods, but actually people. And most of all, deadly to the poorest among us, the third world countries. The green wave in the West is at the direct expense of the poor, impoverished third world countries in the East. And, time and time again. And what you've seen, exactly. And what you've seen is you've seen the decrease in research in making fossil fuel burning cleaner. Mm-hmm. Remember when coal was seeing incredible increases in efficiency? Mm-hmm. And the same, it, it, look, I'm, I'm, I've been in uh, the, the solar field. I, I have patents in that field. I like the stuff. I think for certain specific applications, it's really good. It, but but, but it, it's, it's a scalpel. Not not a sledgehammer. We're trying to we're trying to, to get a large bit of work done. We're trying to clear off a foundation, not not make a small cut. Something that could clear off the foundation is nuclear, and uh, we do have someone in here who's 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 familiar with that. But uh, nuclear has often been uh, demonized, hasn't it, Chauncey? Oh, it's been very 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 demonized. Uh, Why do you think that is? Well, because of the explosions that's happened in the past. So you have your Chernobyl incident, then you have Three Mile Island, then you have the one that that happened in uh, Japan, I should say. And so when they look at these explosions, they're like, aha, that's why we can't go with nuclear. And it's like, no, like if you even look into these incidences, uh, you will see that a lot of that time, Basically, somebody was doing something they had no business doing. Corruption, usually. Exactly. It, it, it's usually an issue of corruption. And that's the thing that, that people don't realize. It, maybe, maybe the government shouldn't be in charge of some of these things, especially with, you know, like, like nuclear. Maybe mm-hmm. you should have a oversight over, over a private entity. But like Chernobyl, clear example yeah. of corruption and cowardice. Right. So, but it's a lot safer 
than burning ethanol, which we know is killing hundreds of thousands per year because that mm -hmm. food is not being used. It's a direct, we, we can look at the, at the board and say, these deaths went up because we stopped sending aid and food here mm -hmm. because we're burning it in our cars and it's literally not doing anything. If it was doing something, you could make an argument that it's for the greater good. Uh, uh, 30% less energy than gasoline. <clears throat> and, yes. and it's ethanol 85, 15%. Mm -hmm. yeah. It actually decreases the efficacy. So, <laughs> oops. So let, let, let's, let, let's go a little bit further. And before all of you say that 97% of climate scientists agree that global warming is a imminent threat and it's man-made you need to know where that comes from uh does anyone here know where that comes from the fact that it was a questionnaire that was delivered so they put out a poll okay among scientists climate scientists saying <laughs> how likely how much of climate change is man-made and how much of it is is man's fault and uh and how severe is it and they took all the people who said, yes, there's climate change. Yes, man actively contributes to it, which was the overwhelming majority. But they didn't necessarily believe that you should kill people by turning off their gas. All those people have been misquoted. You have the very fringes that say, and, and very few, 3% said, no, there is probably because they saw where it was going, right? Mm -hmm. But they said zero man-made interference with the climate. Well, no, does Sherlock? We 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 go to we go to L.A. and you see the smog, right? Of course, man has an effect on the environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but 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 is it going to kill the the globe? No. Most of those guys said no. So when you take the, that, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change says no. They say, you know, there is climate change. It does have something to do with being man-made, but it is not a human extinction level threat. The, the, the ICPP, which is the one that everybody wants to go with, they're the one who puts out the, the estimates of a, a two to four degree temperature rise and the sea level rise and all of that. that. This is where it all comes from. And they don't make that claim. No, usually smog over a city stays pretty much localized in areas it's you know and stays in that area it's it's not like it's something that just gets bigger and bigger like a storm cloud and constantly heads out and goes okay i'm going to go over here and it's a and hang out over problem. the desert for a while and then i'm going to come back to the city it's a local problem that is often dealt with by natural barriers and effects including rain cycles etc it is dealt with do i want to have cars burning dirty no right do, do, do i do i think it's worth depriving grandma of her life support because we're enrolling blackouts because you don't have enough energy to run Cal southern california or how about texas and by the way you, you want to have an argument about non-regulated uh, 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 self-contained Texas grid systems. Fine. We can have that argument, but the Texas freeze of 2021, what was not working and what was working only at half percent, not working wind, wind. right? Working at 50% gas and coal. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And none of it was winterized. 
and none of it was winterized. It should have been winterized. I agree. But what was still working because we can make it work and it's not heavily dependent upon the wind blowing. Did, did, did y'all know that the wind doesn't blow sometimes? What? What? I mean, are you we, serious? We, we build these enormous windmills and we put them out there and then sometimes the wind doesn't blow. Oh my. What happens when that wind's not blowing? Like the no energy, energy isn't made. What? What, what? what takes over? What do they have to keep running? Those nasty fossil fuels. And the nukes. You got to keep the nuclear plants running. Mm-hmm. They can so, learn from France and Germany from this uh, greatest invention in nuclear uh, engineering as they actually use their nuclear wastes to produce energy. So I think this is a great thing people should really just take an eye on. It's an eye opener if you think about it. it well, and you look at Germany. Germany is the perfect example because they had the, 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 the golden egg, right? The goose that was laying it, they had everything running well. And then what did they decide to do? We're going to go to solar and wind. <laughs> and guess what had to take over? The nuclear power plants. And exactly. Russian oil. Or, and Russian oil. So they, they traded energy independence for a com- country that gives, doesn't give a rat's tail how clean they are extracting the oil. Oh, absolutely. The, the, oh. the uh, difference between the uh, oil production, refinement, natural gas, all of the fossil fuels, the difference between the regulation and standards and technological innovation that the United States has and every other country that we are now turning to for for oil because we don't want to drill our own because it's so terrible, Russia, Mexico, Venezuela, the amount of pollution that they produce when they make oil and gas and all of that stuff is exponentially higher than anything that the United States has produced in decades doing the same kind of refining. So now that we've kind of laid it all down, and, and there's a lot more. Again, links in the description. Go to Provoked a Reason, and you should should find an article there with all of these links in there. Let's 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 think about why this climate alarmism has taken such a hold. And there's a lot of reasons. But I want to start off with the chair of theology here, because what we're seeing is really interesting. I think it, it, it's it's telling, because even though we have explicitly debunked and clarified what's wrong with these with with these claims these truth claims that the world is on fire or that it's going to freeze over depending upon the decade uh there's something really interesting about the persistence of this could you say that this is a religious adherence and i want to go step further it's a re- is it a religious adherence, and have we seen the worship of the earth in the Bible? Say maybe with the Queen of Heaven. <laughs> well, yes, we have seen it. Uh, you guys can go into uh, Genesis where it talks about this. Uh, actually, in the eighth chapter, it talks about how all the seasons and the summers and the spring and all these seasons are going to continue to keep happening. Because of the fact this is what God designed from the very beginning. And even if you want to talk through Revelation, how all these things are going to happen towards the end, um, the real matter of the factor is this has absolutely nothing to do with 
man, this is something that God has brought a curse upon the earth. So I think we should look at that and really think about and if you why it's been- if you look at it though, what 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 you'll see is that this is earth worship at its core. Yeah. And it's this secular humanism has had to replace God with something and Mother Earth, Mother Nature, Queen of a, uh, of of Heaven, Gaia. You know, you can kind of make a make a make a parallel <laughs> with all of this. Well, it's kind of getting yeah. back to what we talked about. Yes, last yes. podcast on. So what what you're seeing is a recurring theme here. Right. That light. We have a recurring theme here that is that is growing. Satan doesn't change tactics. So I, I, I want to shift gears and move over to the chair of philosophy. If something is being proven false, and it's been proven false over and over again, and someone still holds to that, and they, they, they're holding a philosophically untenable position, what does that say about their theology and how can we, as an apologetic, approach this person? I think one of the main things to consider when somebody is in that position is that perhaps this untenable and uh, contradictory philosophy is not the goal or foundation of the person. Perhaps there is something else underlying these things, some deeper philosophy, um, you know, just a coincidence, happy coincidence that all of these uh, uh, horrible climate disasters can be mitigated with the exact same policies that look a lot like socialism and Marxism. Just just interesting how that works out. Uh, total coincidence. But um, Let's be clear. We're delineating between the followers versus the leaders. Yes, yes. We're talking about leaders right now. Yes, people who, who know better and are doing it anyway. Um, and I think that a good apologetic, again, chair of philosophy, is to ask them questions, get them to expose themselves, uh, not expose as in like a gotcha moment, but get them to understand from their own mind these contradictions, and then explore with them perhaps that underlying philosophy, which the followers may not have realized is uh, what is pushing this forward. Asking questions. Yes. The Socratic method. By the way, uh, Socratic use, uh, Socrates used the Jesus method. I mean, uh, Jesus used the Socratic method. Well, <laughs> you know, uh, which one came first, which one was born versus what, But the point is, Jesus asked a lot of questions. Yes. yes. He asked a right. lot of questions, and that's how people started to think. We want to make sure that when we ask the followers, why do you hold this? Have you heard that 97% word? Did you know where that came from? Do you want to look at that? Do you want to look at where that comes from? And where, what those scientists actually said? Yeah. You know, oh, you know, I, I heard an a interesting, uh, interesting claim about that. I want to know what you think about it. Let me, let me tell you, and then we can talk about it. It's Precisely. not a, that's a lie, and you're lying, and this is all fake news. That's not, that's the wrong way to go about it. You're hurdy, dirty, dirty, you dumb libtard. Uh, yeah. I, I, I hate that language. <laughs> I hate that language. All, it is the most revolting garbage. Yes. All that is going to do is make someone defensive. And when someone is defensive, they are not being rational. So, and also what's very important is to look at the background, of some of these scientists and where to get their stuff from. Because even if you look at evolution, the person who came up with that, if you look up their background of that, that should make you just... 
you look at Darwin and you look at it, he's an angry child. He's angry at his pastor daddy, which, which, we, can, which we need to dig into at some point. It's an interesting yeah. conversation. But moving over to the chair of culture, I want to pick your brain for a second. So we've talked about the theological, almost the, the root structure of this, how it's just, it's, it's rooted and ingrained in. And we've created a culture where there is a fight or flight reflex that is induced when we talk about climate change. What do we want to do with these situations? Because there's a linguistic load or packaging that occurs. There's this unnecessary ball of wax that comes in whenever you talk about climate change or green energy. There's an emotional baggage cart, if you will, that's ready to fall on you. When we're dealing with an individual who believes these things, how should we proceed? Carefully. Um, you, one of the ways you want to do, and the way I usually typically do it is just kind of appeal to them uh, and talk to them about facts. Don't tell them how much of an idiot they might be or talk to them and say, oh, you're a liberal, you listen to fake news, kind of like what Jennifer was talking about. Don't put them down. Don't say things that are going to offend them. You know, give them facts. Question them about what they believe. Where did you come up with your facts? How did you come up with these? Did you research those facts? Did you get them somewhere? These are where I got mine. This is where I researched this. This is how I came up with this. I can back this up this way, and this is what says this. This is where I got it. Would you like to see these? I can show them to you right here. Let me pull it up, and I'll show it to you instead of just saying, oh, well, I've got 97%. Make sure that we okay. ask questions, yes. Okay, Okay, well, I've got 98%. You don't want to go to You know what I'm saying? I, <laughs> I, I go got 97.8%. Well, where did you get that? Well, here, let me show you right here. Right. I can pull it up and I can back it up with X number of people that say this, they've researched this, they've done this research. This is who they are. They've done all of this research. They are qualified to do this in this field. Absolutely. This is what they've done. And so culturally, I, I want to I start to set up the political chair. But before I do, I, I just want to bring something up. Whenever we're dealing with Marxism, there is a, a form of authority that comes with this special knowledge whether it's the knowledge that everything is racist or that everything is sexist, uh, the climate is going to collapse. There's a sort of moral authority that comes when you are on the side of saving the planet, isn't there? Oh, gosh, yeah. And if, and if you're not backing what they say, you're a fascist, you're, the, you're a racist... <laughs> I'm a racist on because I don't back you up on your claims for climate, climate change. change. I mean, sure, the climate changes. I mean, they got 
things back from 1920 that say the climate was changing at this amount and it changed from 1920 to 2020. We're talking a hundred year span and it shows you it did this and it did this and they show it in 10 year increments because it's easier to calculate over 10 year time spans and show it. But they like to show it at certain points, have you looked at it, it at the hundred year? Hmm. Have you looked at it at the two hundred year? Have you looked Correct. at it at the four hundred year mark? By the way, links in the in in the description and and provoke to reason. Look it up. Look at Correct. look at the four hundred year, and you'll see that there's a solar cycle, and the sun develops these these cool cycles and hot cycles. There's something else besides just the Earth in play here. It's it's also you know the sun and the solar system. Right, right. But that that power. That power is something really interesting. And I want to move over to the chair of politics. Josh has been quiet today for the most part. I'm sorry about that. But uh, let's let's talk about what the main objective, not for the followers, for grandma who's worried about giving a good inheritance to her children and grandchildren, but our politicians, do they get something out of pushing an ideology that's been proven false time and time again? This goes back to, I think, the first thing that Jennifer said, don't you want to save the planet? Yeah. Don't you want your community to be clean? Don't you want your children to have clean water? Don't you want them to have a reliable food source? No. (laughs) (laughs) Just stop them in the tracks. (laughs) I thought I'd just throw that in there from the chair culture. It's just kind of. But that's the que- but those are the questions that are asked by one of the parties, we the the Democratic Party, and they'll ask this question. And if you say no to any of those things, it's just like, man, that's crazy. You don't want it's like what you say. It's like, oh, you you don't want these things? Oh, right. that's that's wild. You must be a person who wants to see people die then. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where it goes, the natural conclusion comes to. It's that you, oh, if you don't agree with me on this then you must like seeing people die. And so, and so let's pause there because that's a really good logical fallacy to dwell on. Go. I, I just had some, I just wanted to kind of Go. flesh Go out ahead. all the opinions there, Go ahead. all the, all the different sides. But the fact of the matter is we're not disagreeing with climate change. We're disagreeing to the severity to which it happens. And we're disagreeing with the alarmism of the matter. Or, or at least the solution. The or at least the solution to the matter. Because going back to the point that was mentioned earlier as well, some of the biggest countries in the world do not adhere to these climate regulations. The United States, it, the thing is too, this really is a cultural issue. Like cultural con- conservation and, and keeping your environment clean. These, I would make a case that this is a biblical issue. Like we should approach it biblically with being good stewards mm-hmm. of our environment. But in the current way that the world operates, it's become a culture it, war. It's, it's a very big cultural issue because in America, you have a culture that values the environment. So what happens? Well, you have people that don't want to litter everywhere. You have people who don't want to throw trash everywhere. Who would have thunk it? And then you go to China or you go to Japan and you go to all these other countries where the air pollution is terrible. The, the pollute, the, there's garbage everywhere. They contribute to emissions more than anybody. And so you have these things that pop up. And so some of these solutions, we don't agree with the solution. That doesn't mean that we hate the people. 
it, and we don't we want to see people die that just means we think that the solution is something different and that it's not as severe as you would make it out to be but it, it goes back to i think a point that we always talk about with telling a story and just how important telling a story is and people really like the story where people do not die and and hey that's a, that's the outcome we all want and the thing is whether it's gun control whether it's an environmentalism no one wants to see children die no one wants to see a polluted river the question is is how do we solve this problem in a way that it's, doesn't kill people and, right? I, and, 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 and 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 that right there and that right there is the question is uh uh how do we go about it how do we go about fixing it i'll get to you in just a second chair of philosophy wants to chime in here for a second yes i just want to make a very important point the reason that America today has that culture is because we went through the phase of development in which we were polluting rivers, polluting the air, polluting all of these things. The reason that China and India aren't adhering to these protocols, and they shouldn't be, because that would create, uh, that would prevent them from being able to attain the wealth that is necessary for the privilege of worrying about the environment. Being concerned about environmental causes is a privilege of the wealthy. The reason that they are not as concerned with polluting their rivers is because they have to worry about feeding their children right now. So let's 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 build on that for a moment. Let's say that you're a mom in Africa. You've lost someone to the to the to the tribal wars, the the warlords, whatever, and you're sitting there thinking, "Oh gosh, I wish I had solar panels." No, you're thinking, man, I wish I could cook over something other than feces. Mm -hmm. I mean, right. and I don't really care what it is, but instead of helping those people up, what are we going to do? We're going to cram down these accords underneath the boot of the UN. But, th but there is an objective there politically. There is an objective there politically. I know, I know Mr. Steve wants to, from the chair of culture, wants to chime in for just a second. And I, and I want to finish the thought with the chair of politics. But go ahead, Mr. Steve. Uh, and I think Josh is completely right on that it is a culture war it's the culture that people live in growing and 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 it's what how the culture came to them in certain ways of like all of a sudden they get hit with plastics they get hit with large amounts of industrial use and all of a sudden they become major polluters you look at some of the places in India, their rivers are so polluted, they don't even want people bathing in them. Right. You don't even drink out of them. So polluted, hardly any fish live in these things. Sections of the rivers, there are no fish that live in them. China is and India are two of the worst polluters. The worst pollution that comes into the oceans are from three major rivers out of India. Exactly. And you're not going to see anything change there until things culturally change. In the meantime, what you're going to do is you're going to kneecap the development of places like the United States. So I want to go back to the chair of politics uh, for just a moment. I want to kind of expound on this because this is where it becomes interesting, I think, because we've proven it wrong over and over and over again. Only someone who is uninformed or intellectually dishonest and, and there's a couple of things that could be going on there, but but the leaders, especially Jennifer said it well, cultural Marxism or 
flat out communism, we're looking at that with the leadership primarily. What do we need for a one world government? What does Revelation say is going to be happening so that the beast can arise? There has to be a problem and a solution to that problem. Take that thought, run with it. Solution being, you vote us, we become the solution to the problem. We'll, we will help fight this problem that's going to happen in 50 years when we're out of office. <laughs> but that's that's kind of the point, though. You make these long-term promises. I mean, I've heard some crazy dates. Oh, 2100, 2090, yeah. 2080. Why don't they just be like 2072? I don't know. It's just super random, but... <laughs> but think about it, though. You might as well just throw any date out there at that point because, I mean, people are just going to believe it. And it kind of goes to this cultural problem of easy believism that we got going on. But also, politically speaking, and, and more, I keep going back to the culture, but the culture and the politics are so intertwined here. And, and I thought what Jennifer said about us being privileged enough to even care about the environment, we in the Western world have a very skewed lens of how things are. And it's not necessarily because we have a skewed lens because we're wrong or something, but it's because we've become so adept to certain ways of life that whenever mm. you see like an animal being killed in such a way for food, we would say, and we see that in Africa or we see that in, in the East, we would say, man, that's cruel. It's just nature. That's just the way of life over there. So when you get to this idea of coming back to America, coming back to politics in America, of these people making these appeals, first off, these people are being dishonest, completely dishonest with you by suggesting that we can do, we can definitely do something to clean up the environment around us, pick up the trash, pick up the litter, do small things like that. And that makes a difference for sure. But as far as it goes with relation to the, to the sun and it comes to the warming cycles and other things of that nature, how the heck are the politicians going to change that? Well, they're not. And what they're going to do is they're going to demand for a global solution. We want more one taxes and we're going to fix it. It's not just going to be that. It's going to be a one world government where they take all of our money and they centralize the power. And, and that right there is the, is, is the deal. They want to go ahead and take the global means of production and communize that whole system you see it in every science fiction film why because that that is the dream <laughs> that is the dream that's what they're aspiring to we're we're, we're, we're kind of coming at the the end of this year 1984 man that's where they're it's, it's where they're going it's where they're George going Orwell. they want a one world state and when the problem whether it be climate change whether it be COVID, whatever it is there will be something there will be something that the beast, and this is where I was going to earlier, is going right. to step into the role of, I am fixing it. I am your Messiah. I am Messiah. I am the political leader that everyone is looking for to unify underneath. Yeah, false that is salvation. What they're, they're, they're salvation. And well, that's what they're looking for. Well, also, and this is, and, and I'm glad that you said that because looking at a theological standpoint, uh, when these people have earth worship, where they're trying to worship the earth, look at Mother Nature. Oh, you know, we can't kill the animals because it's part of the earth and all this type of stuff. And it's like, you know, those animals have to put up with other animals at the end of the day, right? <laughs> so we have to understand something here, people. 
You can't save them all. Just like you can't tame a wild fox, you're sure as well as not going to tame that cheetah that's way in Africa somewhere. You know, so this is where uh, we have to look in this way and, and, and have to understand that the earth is going to be here as long as God is going to make it to be here. He's going to last for how long he wants it to last is according to his will, not ours. And, and that's the thing, like, right? But you, you, you look at what they're valuing and from the share of economics, you want to look at they're devaluing the life of, as Jennifer said, folks who have not made this economically. They are also stymieing people like the United States, the UK, Australia. It's an issue of the have nots and the haves. They're oppressor class and the oppressed. The problem is in trying to help the so-called oppressed in this case, you are literally killing them by burning uh, corn that should be feeding them as biofuel, by, by, by preventing the production of cheap, easy to afford uh, means of electricity, but it's all for an agenda, and it all comes down to an eschatological agenda. You know, here, here we got uh, elitists like you know Obama and other various people talking about um, the the oceans rising like two feet or so from all the ice melting, and he's down here buying a home on the beachfront in Florida, right? <laughs> I mean, come on, man. And it's not a matter of really? hypocrisy. It's, it's Again, the, the issue with this, the, the scandal is not hypocrisy. It's the fact that they're lying to you. And they know it's not hypocrisy. It's lying. And they're stealing from your pockets. But more importantly, they're building to the one world government that Christ will have to come back and defeat. So as long as we can combat this, the longer we can, the better. We're, we're at the, uh, basically the close of our time. Short wrap-up around the room. Theologically, what is a short takeaway, Chauncey, that someone can take? When we talk about climate change, uh, you mentioned earlier that the earth is going to be around even into Revelation times, right? What's, what's a good short version of that for someone to take away in an apologetic manner? Someone's talking about climate change. They're Christian. What's a way that you can theologically tackle that in a short one or two sentence response? Well, we just have to understand that it's according to God's will, not our will. And if you keep relying on earth and everything else of its matter, then you're going to be worshiping that instead of worshiping the creator who made everything the way it is. Amen. And the world will never be destroyed again in a flood. That's an easy one when they're saying the seas right. are going to rise. <laughs> Amen. From the chair of philosophy, I want to go ahead and get your short wrap up. Philosophically, what is a good point in showing the inconsistencies of this worldview and the pseudo religion? I mean, they're, they're too numerous to, to go through. Um, so just in general, when you are preparing for this questioning tactic, uh, Know, uh, do the research yourself, understand where all of these lies are coming from so that you can lead them effectively to this discovery themselves. Uh, the, the sources that we're going to have available are all uh, uh, not right wing, if not flat out left wing, and they are going to 
to eradicate these lies. Um, so just, just make sure that you have the information yourself so you can help others to reach it as well. We must be prepared to give an answer. Apolosia, that's where we get the word apologetics. It's not apologizing for the Christian faith. It is being prepared to give an answer. Mr. Steve, from the chair of culture, yep. what is a good short cultural response, an apologetic response when someone says, hey, uh, this is a matter of life and death. Why aren't you a culture of life? Might you say something <clears throat> to the effect of we disagree on uh, perspective on how to fix it? I would say that uh, uh, Jesus is the life. I am the life. I have knew you before you were born. And he knows what's going to happen. He knows when it's going to happen. And he knows all about what's going to happen, past, present, and future. And the culture, it's not so much as how the culture happens, but it's what culture is going on in the world. That's what needs to be changed, not having a one-world government. And we all know that Jesus is going to come back and he's going to rule for a thousand years. Amen. Amen. And moving over to the chair of politics, what is a good response when people say, I don't get involved in politics because it's icky, it's nasty, it's gross. I don't like politics. Uh, And and even though climate change has become heavily politicized, I'm not going to really get involved in it, even if it affects me. What's a good response to them? Maybe say something about their birthright as Christians in America. I would tell them I hate politics too. Politics is ucky. It's it's terrible the way it's going on now. Because in the current state of politics, they don't want you to have an opinion that's based upon the Bible, but they don't even want you to have your own opinion. Correct. They want you to have their opinion and they want you to succumb to their ideas and what they believe, and they don't want you to question it. That's why when you go into these multi-purpose centers or these different areas to vote they'll have all these signs out in the front that say vote yes yes it's i don't even have i saw it a bunch of time it's conditioning you it's constantly conditioning you to to fall in line with what they think is right but going into this purpose does that mean that we should not be involved in the political sphere we most certainly need to be involved in the political sphere because these politicians make some pretty dang important decisions on behalf of the representatives and if you want to make true if you want to make some change then we need to vote based on the bible we need to vote representatives who are going to represent that bible faithfully amen amen, amen. amen. and again if you don't comply with the new religion you won't be able to buy or sell to the gulag whatever whatever that new religion turns out to be <laughs> although i think climatism is going to be part of it along with an interesting amalgamation of other beliefs in the economic chair when someone says don't you want to help the poorer countries? Yes, I do. Stop destroying things for them. And by the way, don't shut the door on poor people in the United States even. They can't afford solar the same way. Maybe now with heavily subsidized government interests, but that's the government propping something up. Okay. Uh, yes, I value our planet. The way you're going about it though, I'm not sure it's actually working. It's killing more people than it's helping. Uh, maybe we should look at that and reconsider the, uh, the paradigm with that said, thank you so much for joining us this week. If you like this, like comment, share, subscribe, all those good things. If you didn't like this, 
dislike the button twice, okay? <laughs> Remember to do it twice. Equally mad. With that said, thank you so much. We love y'all. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Okay. Okay. Lightning round. If you're still here, we put you to sleep or you really did enjoy yourself. Um, lightning round. Favorite way that we should have already all died. What is the prediction that didn't come true that you're the that was the funnest one? Auntie, go. Favorite prediction. The ice age. Ice age. <laughs> all right, Jennifer. Yes, it has to be the ice age. Give me the snow. All right, the snow. Okay, you guys aren't hitting my favorite yet. I'm glad. Mr. Steve, what's your favorite? Yeah, I'd have to say probably. Well, no, I guess the uh, puff of blue smoke. Blue steam. <laughs> he found my favorite. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't know if this was on the list, but the EMP, the ginormous EMP. Oh, yeah. Well, whether it be, uh, yeah, from the sun, right? And it's just going to absolutely cook and fry us. Because uh, God didn't know what he was doing when he made the sun. Check, not true. Fact <laughs> check, not true. Yeah, blue puffs of smoke. My favorite one. Just yes. Tell us your Oof. favorite down in the comment section down below. It helps Species. the algorithm. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Play the clip. <laughs>